0: hi everybody welcome back to the vlp bulletin i'm danielle berman and it is monday january 24th i hope you all are staying healthy staying safe and the first month of the year is closing out well hard to believe we're in the last week of january again i just feel like time is flying I hope you've been enjoying our interviews. We shared our latest episode with my good friend, Ben Troop, a couple weeks ago. So I hope you've been able to tune into that already. Would love to hear what you think. And this week, we've got another friend of mine, Adam Miller of Good Game Foundation, coming by the show. And that episode is dropping this Thursday. So stay tuned for more and be sure to follow us on social media. If you follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Phil or at LeaguePhil big league philanthropist, respectfully, uh, you can see more insights about Adam and get a sneak peek of his work before the episode drops on Thursday morning. All right, let's get right into this week's bulletin. Okay, so let's start with an update about the Cutter World Cup coming up this summer. So we know that there's a lot of concerns, and we've talked about this before from, other, uh, from Amnesty International and other groups around the... Uh, Human rights violations that have sparked controversy around building the facilities for the World Cup. Uh, This has been labeled by the world as as the World Cup of Shame by Amnesty International and Denmark's national soccer team, uh, national soccer team qualified. And instead of saying, we are going to step out of this tournament, um, and, you know, put all of the hard work their athletes have done for years, kind of to the side, they've announced that they are going to really stand up for the human rights violations while participating. Um, and so they announced that the team will wear messages on their gear throughout the tournament, instead of having sponsors on their apparel. So sponsors, um, like Donsky spill and Abjourniss Landsbach, who I'm sure I pronounced their names horribly wrong. So my apologies. They will not engage in commercial activities in Qatar, including advertising on the national team jerseys. So their messages will be in support of human rights throughout the competition. Uh, so in one way, they're participating. The team itself will have no involvement in any commercial activities arranged by event organizers in the country and Denmark officials will make minimal trips to the country and participate only in activities that contribute to improving conditions for migrant workers. I think it is awesome to see this, right? Denmark is saying, we're not gonna make our athletes suffer here. We're going to participate, but in a scaled back capacity, we're not going to have any commercial involvement. We're just going to send our players. We're going to make sure they're set up and we're going to make sure that we come to support them. Other than that, uh, if there's anything migrant workers rights that we can come and support, we will do that, but we won't have our national companies sponsoring. No money will be coming into these world cup from us. And I think that's really, really a great blueprint for other countries that are looking at events in Qatar and in China and in other places where there's these significant human rights violations that we all kind of know, like, despite the fact that the countries are denying it, we're saying it's gotten so much better. We know that's not necessarily true. So, you know, Denmark's national team is showing that human rights is important and that national sports bodies and corporations are able to advocate for human rights, stand up against human rights abuses and advocate from change from within. So it's just things that we, you know, things that we can hope that other national governing bodies, other sports organizations and other countries that as a whole can look at this example from Denmark and say, you know, we can do that too. We can do that too. Right. You know, if the U S qualifies for the world cup, why can't we do that as well? So I think just thinking about that, as we move into a world where sporting events are happening in countries with lots of human rights abuses or questionable, uh, you know, activities and it's clouding these sports activities. And I think Denmark is, is really putting a great foot forward here and showing folks how you can not necessarily limit your athletes from participating, but really make a stance while participating in those, in those contests. So thank you to sports pro media for publishing the story and kudos to the Denmark uh, government and national team for this awesome, awesome way to take a stand. Moving on and changing gears here, we are talking about Ben Jones. He plays for the Golden Knights out in Las Vegas in the NHL, and he announced he'll be launching a foundation that provides financial assistance to children who are unable to play sports without that support. He wants to give everyone the opportunity that he had. He's partnering with his management company, Fox Alice Sports and local charities, and he wants to lift financial barriers and burdens that come with playing youth sports at a high level. Again, we've talked about this a lot with one of our guests, Natalie Hummel from Every Kid Sports. It's so important to give all children access to sports because of the healthy benefits, but also like the leadership skills and the team building and the ability to lose and fail and get back up and try again, right? And it's, it's really important to remember that Honestly, not every child has access to quality youth sports programming. It's very expensive. And, you know, when we look at the numbers, uh, you know, I think it's something like 40% of kids do not have access, which is un- insane, you know? So I think it's great to see an athlete like Ben Jones helping with this mission, using his own experience to make a difference here. It's so important to have good role models, uh, um, and showing the power of sports. So congrats to Ben Jones, excited to do that. Let's hope he can link up with every kid sports here, uh, and support them and their efforts as well as other organizations doing other things, similar things. All right. Now we're moving over to NPR. NPR had a story about a really fantastic, um, Afghani women's youth soccer team. Uh, they played in the country right until the Taliban took over, um, early or middle of last year, I guess I should say, and banned women's sports. So, you know, toleration from women's sports has always kind of been really tough, but when the U S was in control, um, obviously it was a little bit easier and there was more funding and opportunities for girls to play. Um, uh, but the Taliban now is in charge and these girls are really nervous that their lives were at risk. So uh, they were really brave and worked to get out of the country. And they had some help from Afghan Canadian soccer star Farkunda Mutaj. And she took action by working with different organizations to get them out of the country. She joined their WhatsApp group, Um, she got them to a safe house and on a humanitarian flight out of the country. Now they're refugees in Portugal, they're able to play soccer, but they had to leave friends and family behind their home nation. So, you know, I think we've highlighted a lot of the challenges of sport in Afghanistan, particularly in the women's sports space. But it's really important to remember that these young people just want to play. They want to have access to the sports they love and get the same benefits that sport can provide to our young people here in the U S and these girls have to leave family members behind. So, you know, just, it's just heartbreaking to see the tragedy. It's amazing that they're safe. It's amazing that they made it out to Portugal, but they've sacrificed so much and they shouldn't have to. Um, So it's, it's a great story. I think it's a powerful story and I think it's bittersweet. Um, I love that Mutaj was one of the biggest advocates to get them out of the country. What a mission and impact she's having, but I think it's just important to remember that, you know, that there's a lot they're giving up to do this. So a really complicated and and really, you know, heart-wrenching story from NPR again glad these these girls made it safely okay moving on we are just honestly like a week and a half away From the opening ceremonies at the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. And athletes right now are being told that the Olympic committees um, have really not done a ton or have any laws that could really protect them if they speak out against China in the country. So they're saying, hey guys, probably wanna keep your protests within the country to a minimum because Chinese law does not tolerate free speech. And they're saying, we don't really know what we could do to protect you if China says, hey, you broke our law. You're going to be punished. Um, So athletes, as you know, are allowed to express their views, including when speaking to the media, during team meetings, through social media channels, and on the playing field before the competition starts but only if their expression is not targeted directly or indirectly against people, countries, organizations, uh, and or their dignity among exceptions, right? This is rule 50. When expressing their views, they are expected to respect the applicable laws, the Olympic values, and their fellow athletes. So this is what we've been talking about, right? They can do everything they want before competition starts. Once competition starts and eyeballs are on them, they can't do anything. So many European teams have encouraged athletes not to bring their phones or computers because of China's privacy violations. They're really worried about them hacking into their uh, devices to be able to see if they're planning something or to just be able to kind of have that security over, you know, who's saying what and what's going on. We all remember, you know, just a couple of months ago, Peng Shui, who spoke out about a Chinese official, accused them of sexual assault and then went missing, right? We didn't hear from her. We didn't know where she was. The WTA couldn't reach her then she retracted her statement in what seemed like a forced uh, press conference. We still really aren't confident that she's safe and that her family is safe. So, you know, again, a lot of European countries have encouraged their athletes not to bring any technology with them, uh, which is hard, right? You're going to be there for weeks. You're going to be competing. You want to stay connected with your friends and family who due to COVID probably aren't going to be able to come. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see how this unfolds, but I think it's, it's really telling that many uh, human rights organizations and national governing bodies of sport are saying, please do not protest the human rights violations in China. We don't know how we can protect you. Um, so really tough for athletes that are thinking about making a statement in China. I think we will see a much more muted games uh, because it's, it's really going to be a tough experience for them to go there. And I think focusing on their sport will be important, but we also want to make sure everyone gets back home safely um, and that everyone has um, their rights uh, with uh, you know maintained during that time. So I'll be interested to see how companies, national bodies, the athletes themselves handle these Olympic games. I hope everyone's safe. And that if they do choose to speak out that the U S government or their home governments will protect them and their right to do so. But again, a lot of human rights groups, warning athletes not to do so. All right, changing gears. We've got two more stories left today. Tyron Matthew won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Charity Challenge and thus won $25,000 for his charity, the Tyron Matthew Foundation. Now note, this is not the official award and winnings from the National Football League. Nationwide sponsors the award and has done this, I think two years in a row now. They do their own charity challenge where fans can vote for the winner. Um, the NFL award is nominated by fellow players and NFL brass. So this is won by the fans. The fans vote. This is the second year in a row that a Chiefs player won. Travis Kelsey won last year. So I clearly see the Chiefs fans that they love supporting the community work of their players. And I mean, after a game like last night, huh? How could you doubt that they are really just in love with their football team? Um, Their foundation that Tyron Matthew has, the Tyron Matthew Foundation, helps underprivileged children uh, find engagement and resources in the Kansas City area and the New Orleans area. I love seeing such great work being done by NFL players. So congrats to Tyron Matthew and good luck to Tyron and all of the other Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees. The award will be officially named by the NFL during Super Bowl week at the NFL Honors on February 10th. So be sure to tune in and see who wins. And our last story, we're talking about mental health. And Sportico um, had a feature article from Ivan Tatachuo, the founder and CEO, excuse me, co founder and CEO of The Zone, which is a company that provides online mental wellness platforms for athletes. He wrote this article about the importance of black athletes, specifically talking about mental health. And he talks about how that for many athletes, especially black athletes, mental health and trauma are often swept out, swept under the rug because they've huge success. They feel like they can't really speak out about trauma and things that have affected them. But players like Chicago Bulls, DeMar DeRozan, are really working to improve the situation. Uh, DeRozan was on Draymond Green's podcast, and he opened up about his own experience with depression. He said, nobody ever talks about the situation we've all had. For one, we come into the league with so much trauma we don't even identify with from our childhood, but we suppress it and forget about it so easily because all of a sudden now we're rich, right? And I think we all know that basketball and sports in general can be a way out for a lot of people of, of some bad situations. But the trauma and experiences that people have that have gone through, they don't go away just because you get money. And I think we hear that all over the place, that money doesn't change the situation you're in or, or the, you know, the mental situation you're in, the trauma you've experienced. You know, money can help, but it can't solve all of our problems. So a lot of athletes realize they're recognizing now they still have to do the hard work to improve their mental health and recover from trauma. And sports is a coping mechanism, right? A lot of athletes, sport is their time where they're able to let out frustrations, let out stress, really feel their, you know, value and worth and, and feel like they're okay, that they can be okay. So when sports are not there, that trauma can take over. So Ivan founded the zone as a way to connect young athletes who need help addressing their mental health issues. And he says, as I've learned admitting to having mental health challenges and acknowledging that you're not invincible is crucial in helping athletes and especially black male athletes make that transition into productive careers when the cheering stops and as you know that is a subject near and dear to my heart I think it's so important to understand that sport is not forever and if sport is your crutch and how you're getting through trauma and how you're getting through some you know really unhealthy mental um, you know experiences then you need to be able to address and work on your mental health because sport will not always be there. And I think it's so important that Ivan's created a platform, uh, to help young athletes and young people in general with their mental health. And thank you to Ivan for writing this article. I think it's great to see what black athletes in the prominent sports like NBA and NFL are saying and doing, and it's awesome to see the impact that it's having on the younger generations. And that's it for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in to learn more about the world of sport philanthropy and athlete activism. Please support our podcast and rate and review us on Apple and Spotify so we can reach more listeners just like you. You can connect with me on good pods and let me know what you love and who you want to see on the show. Uh, Don't forget, enjoy Adam's episode dropping this Thursday morning, and I will see you guys back here next time for more great conversations from the Big League Philanthropist. Have a great week, everybody.